Hello and welcome to the ET PhD team podcast, the podcast here to help you with your relationship with food and body by giving you evidence-based techniques to support yourself with a sprinkling of feminism, a dash of dismantling diet culture and a side of vulnerability as we share our own messy lives with you. I'm Emilia, a registered nutritionist and PhD with the sole purpose of making your life happier and healthier. If you love it, please do go wild and share it. And if you're ready for support with our coaching, details are in the show notes. Hello and welcome to episode number 278 of the ETPHD team podcast with myself and Katie. Hi Katie, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good. I am well this how well. I'll tell you a little story because let's let's make it Love about it. me. I was speaking to my like my mom texted me this morning and she said how are you and I thought how am I and I said not I think I said something like not bad thanks how are you and she said I'm pretty okay and I thought "Hmm, I'm just gonna give her a wee phone so we just chatted for five minutes and she said I was really thinking about the right word to say of how are you I didn't want to say fine because we know what fine means and she said so I was thinking am I the x or am I y and I said mom I thought the same thing and I thought Gosh, we're, we're great. Look at us trying to get all granular about how we feel on a morning WhatsApp. So according to my WhatsApp this morning, I'm not bad, thank you. Um, which is not particularly eloquent when it's granular, but hey. Um, how are you, Anna? Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, are I get you, that, I get that. Are you pretty okay or just okay? I, I'm pretty okay. I th- Do you know what it is? I'm going away for the weekend and I think my my head's in that mode and I'm like I'm just not quite there yet so I'm like no just stay with it just for another day and a half I always think when you know you're going away like the week before you know you're going away it doesn't matter how long it's for or if it's for Christmas or for a weekend you're like oh my gosh like how is this physically going to happen like how am I going to get a slight work just and life stuff just multiplies out of nowhere for the week before you go away always so by the time you go away you're like I've earned this holiday maybe we do it to ourselves so that we feel like we've earned yeah. our break so we can relax which is not helpful <laughs> I did that I did that I'm going away as well this weekend Anna and I was feeling so overwhelmed with everything I had to do and so I just brain dumped this like blank sheet of paper like anything and everything that I could think of like whether it was tiny life admin or or a work task and then I was just ruthlessly like right what can I call like what doesn't <laughs> need done and it was really like I got so much satisfaction out of like scoring stuff off or just being like put that in the do later do later <laughs> I love that we don't talk about that enough the satisfaction of just deciding that that is actually like we always talk about the satisfaction of doing something but the satisfaction of saying that's not actually required for me right now I'm going to p- choose to park it it's like a pretty decent yeah feeling yeah you f- suddenly feel like you've got all this space and freedom and you're like wow mm-hmm. <laughs> that wasn't that bad yeah where are you going Katie I am I'm actually going to um South Africa yeah I'm going to Cape Town I I have one of my really good friends um lives there and I was there for six weeks last year and so I'm just um I'm just living that digital nomad life and I'm running away from the winter and towards the sunshine for the winter so good for you (laughs) Good for you. And I always think like creativity, work, all of these things benefit so much from travel. Like it's wild. And once you realize that, you feel much more free to then try different stuff and go different places and know that you'll be just fine. Because I think it will, I think you can probably both relate when it, when you're self-employed and when you work online, you're 
you don't want to look like you're not working or you don't want to do anything that's going to detract from like your productivity but the more you do it the more you're like oh actually I'm actually pretty great because I have to be more like I have to be more intentional with my work because I want to be intentional with other stuff and you end up doing better work and than you do when you're just sat at home definitely like you just that's what I'm going to choose to believe that (laughs) (laughs) I write in my journal every day babe it's totally true (laughs) where are you going Anna uh, I'm going to Dublin for the weekend. Oh, nice! It just... I've not been not been for years, and I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, um, I mean, the forecast is shocking, but <laughs> be great. Hopefully, your flight just makes it. As long as your flights can get there and come back, then that's the main thing. Oh God, yeah, I remember. Was it? My, I want to say it's probably 2020 when Dr. Mike flew to Dublin to watch a uh, nutritional advocate, wasn't it? And then didn't actually make it and had to fly all the way back to Birmingham. <laughs> yeah, that's very upsetting. You can just imagine Mike in that situation too. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing joy yeah, so for everyone else. Passed. If the plane, like, so long as I get off the plane, I'm I'm great. Well, the, so long as the plane takes off, even better. Yeah. Oh, we festive time. I went to a... a and I'm using air quotes here Christmas market in uh, Austin the other day well I so saw before I came I like marked off all the Christmas lights and Christmas events that I wanted to do in Austin and some of them my boyfriend some for some of them not and this one kept coming up it's called Mozart's Christmas lights it kept coming up influencers were like go here go here and I'm like okay I'll be influenced go there and you could buy like different levels of tickets but they were like the base one is like general entrance you can see the light show etc so I was like that sounds great we'll just do these general admission free tickets and then we got there and to say the market was underwhelming <laughs> would be an understatement so I, obviously I've been spoiled like I was in Vienna last year for the Christmas markets I live in Edinburgh I live in I live in Manchester like all of these European Christmas markets are just like incredible and like I mean it was it, it was cool in that like we had a nice time the lights were there I've got I feel a like warm... you're clutching at straws yeah well I did get... <laughs> I did get a warm individual pecan pie that was exceptional and let me just tell you right they have a dance floor there for like obviously for the kids I was very hopeful that I would get to get on it the reason I was hopeful that I might get to go on it is because it's Taylor Swift's dance floor from the Eras tour that they are borrowing for Christmas and then she takes it back Taylor Swift had been on that dance floor so that was quite cool that was worth going for then that was worth going for, but we left after 10 minutes and then just got in the car and drove around all the mansions at that part of Austin and looked at all the Christmas lights and it was like home alone. And to be honest, like that was infinitely better than like the Christmas market. So I'm like, if you if you have European Christmas markets around you, I urge you to embrace them this year and lean into them because they are, let's not take them for granted because they're very special. Talking of Taylor Swift, did you hear that she is Person of the Year? Of course, she's Person of the Year. Like, mm-hmm. I saw it and I was like, I could have told you that. I could have told you that. She's, she's just, oh, she's just a, an angel, an angel, a gift from the gods. Well, you say that, but then on the news thing that I heard, they also then played a clip of, like, New York sanitation saying that she'd had 32 tickets for the mess outside her, like, her building. Listen, Taylor Swift is like us, right? We cannot be bosses in life 
and also remember to take our rubbish out <laughs> like I'm sorry but you can't like you can't do all and she's just a human being and if you you succeed in one part of your life it's okay for other parts of your life sometimes to be a little bit harder okay let's leave her <laughs> this that was no criticism from me whatever <laughs> whatever let's let's move on okay we've got a, a friction now so let's continue <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Katie, do you want to go first? Yeah, okay. That's a long one. <clears throat> How should we deal with the positive emotions that come with weight loss slash improved body composition? I felt this week like my clothes were looser and I spent lots of time in the gym plus doing other activities. And just generally, I felt on a high because I was looking slimmer and muscular. But this has happened before. And then it causes my mood and body image to slump when and if I gain weight. It's not that I don't enjoy feeling good, but I don't want my mood slash self-worth to be so connected to how much body fat I'm carrying. And that's hard when I'm feeling so great as my slimmer self. It's also an added layer of anxiety that means I get scared of weight gain that can sometimes cause me to slip into disordered patterns. And I know how to catch them now, but I want to prevent this whole cycle. Oh, so basically somebody who's, yeah, trying to, trying to come to terms with, they feel good, they notice that they feel good when they're losing weight but that kind of gives them a bit of fear and anxiety because they um, know that it means that their body image is associated with their weight. I think I would be trying to focus on, like she said at the beginning of the question, she'd spent time in the week in the gym and doing other activities and okay, well, what, what were they bringing you that maybe kind of, you might not have other other weeks in your life like was it activities with friends and okay there was connection there fantastic were you having more fun more play uh were you feeling super strong and energized in the gym like can you can you hone in on all the other stuff that was going on that made that week feel so good unrelated to whatever your body did because let's let's be realistic you could have another week like that and have absolutely zero changes to body composition because our bodies are always changing and that's the frustrating thing yeah I agree again like I think this is such a good question and I really want to normalize everything that you've said in this question because so many people I've worked with I'm sure you too as well have had a very similar feeling and I had I worked with someone once and I'm sure she won't mind me talking about this that she felt similar every time she lost a bit of weight and someone, she lived in a culture, she was part of a culture where they felt it okay to comment on women's bodies regularly. And, you know, that's something we move through. But someone would always say, oh, you've lost weight. And she said immediately as someone commented on it, she got the immediate high and then the immediate knock-on effect was, okay, I need to restrict to make sure I stay like this. And she could, you know, by, by the end of things, she didn't stop no like she didn't stop that emotional response she still got that feeling of like positivity in some way from that that statement but she could see why and she understood why and she didn't allow it then she noticed her drive to restrict but she didn't allow it to then impact her behaviors and I think that's important because we live in a society still that really does say weight loss is the best thing in the world it's attractive we've got kardashians and stuff now getting slimmer and like we currently are in this space where societally 
it's still rammed down our throats. However, however much body positivity stuff you see, like it's still there, right? And this is one reason why we try and talk so much about this to try and challenge that to some degree. But to think that you're never going to feel a little bit like, oh, when you lose weight, it's like, don't, don't blame yourself for that or don't feel that there's something wrong with you for that because it's quite quote unquote um, obvious that that would come up. It's definitely changeable, if for, for sure it is. Um, my mom said something to me when I went home, something like, oh, something about skinny milinky or something. And I was like, and then she doesn't, she never comments on my body ever. And I had just had baggy clothes on and I was just like, oh, interesting. And I clocked it. And I didn't, I, I was quite surprised that it didn't make me feel great. It made me feel bad. It made me feel nothing. I was like, oh, interesting. Like that part of me has officially died off. But this is however many years and years and years down the line where I'm like oh that doesn't really bother me anymore so I think like show yourself some compassion in that um and look at how it's impacting your behaviors and maybe focus more on that still maybe like when any when any of this kind of what's the word I'm looking for internalized thin ideal which is effectively what it is comes up I always do encourage people to research and understand what that actually is read some blogs I've got a podcast one of the podcasts we did on here that was about internalized thin idea I think it was something the podcast title was something like why you're scared of gaining weight or something like that and I talked about it in there and I think educating yourself on that educating yourself on the feminist lens of that can be really really empowering so that when that does come up you go oh damn it I'm being like pushed into this by the patriarchy like no and not again not in a self-critical way but in a oh gosh, I don't want to be an obedient female. I want to be like, do what's right for me. So I really do think that that activism or that like that learning part in this headspace can be quite helpful. I'm just going to follow up on that, Amelia, and recommend a book, um, My Body's Not an Apology. Uh, I don't know, Sonia Renee Taylor, I think is the author. But it just really, if you're interested in getting down that sort of like activism root and, and educating yourself on that that's a, a really fantastic book okay I think I've read I've heard about that book but I haven't read it I've maybe read a blog or something on it so maybe I should read the book so thanks you're good it's good yeah fires you up that's exactly <laughs> what I need is more fire <laughs> I've got so many books like Georgia gave me that invisible woman book or Louisa gave me it one of them Georgia talks about it a lot and it's just by my bed and I'm like just I just don't want to fight I just don't want it I know I feel like I can see what it's saying to me and I'm like it's just not it's not the right thing for me to have in my life to be honest yeah. <laughs> um okay Anna go for it um I'm tying two together uh go to advent calendar of choice for 2023 and what in your opinion is the best and worst quality streets in the tin we're going Christmas chocolate questions Oh, interesting. Katie, you can go first on this. Right. I am going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to basically not answer the question because <laughs> I, that's kind of sad that I can't actually remember the last time I got an advent calendar. So um, I need to fix that. <laughs> just, not something I've participated in. And I don't know about Quality Street, but I do know about celebrations. And I'm going to really throw a spanner in the works and say that I love a bounty. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm very intrigued by that. I don't hate a bounty. 
it's the kind of block. Maybe it's a learned thing because the bounty is obviously always the one that's left. Yeah, and then you have to. Yeah. 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 So I've just decided to be like, that's my favorite one. It's always going to be there. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. I actually don't have an advent calendar this year either. But I, I did think about it. And then I thought, honestly, yeah, I don't know why I didn't get one this year. But last year, Anna brought me one from when I was in Austin. And that it was, was the most crumpled thing. It was the best. It was, so, <laughs> it was so thoughtful and it was a galaxy one. And what was also really nice about that is that I got the galaxy advent. And then when I left Austin last year to come back for Christmas, I gave it to my boyfriend and he didn't have one. So he then got to finish the galaxy chocolate and you don't get galaxy in the, in the States. So that was a real gift. So I'm going to stick with that one and say that would be my advent of choice. Um, I, don't, I honestly don't know why I don't have one this year. My favourite quality street, I like the just the green chocolate, the solid chocolate oh. dipped in a cup of tea. Oh, mm. I can't wait for that when I get back. And I actually brought quality street to Thanksgiving this year because you don't really get the quality street here. I couldn't fit a whole tin in my bag, but I did bring like the reusable, recyclable bag of quality <laughs> street to um, his family. So that was, you know, that was my gift. Um yeah I'm a I'm a green solid and so, but do you know what happened when I gave them to his family his sister the first one she picked was a toffee penny and I was like that's not good it's not a good introduction to the British chocolate that's the worst one you could have picked you're gonna have no teeth yeah but no the worst is definitely like the strawberry or the orange creams oh, I don't yeah. like those oh, no 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 green triangle is where it's at actually What's the green triangle? I think it's meant to be like a praline thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just nice. I don't know what it actually is. but I think it is praline. Praline. Mm. Praline. I don't know. And what's your advent? The, the best one I ever got was when I threw a tantrum. Um... There's a life lesson there, babe. A life lesson. I know, I know yeah. <laughs> just be more assertive (laughs) but it was when it's 2020 when we couldn't all spend Christmas together and my mum bought my sister and her husband and my brother and his girlfriend like the hotel chocolat for two advent calendars and I was like just because I'm on my own (laughs) so I had two chocolates each day and it was great so I actually remember that. Like, it, that's stuck in my brain. It was <laughs> Yep. That's Even top. though I forgot to bubble with them, I was like, nope. That is top tier. <laughs> top tier adventing. Um, okay. Denies client's question. And this person is quite a new person with ETPHD and asks how to stop overeating without restricting. We're all like, hmm, because yeah. to stop overeating, you, it's you, that's exactly what you do. Like you stop restricting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's just the phrasing of the question has thrown yeah. me. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering is is she ask is the client asking wi- without focusing on the restricting, or sure, let's see. Okay, so the supposed answer to the question is you don't restrict and you eat regularly and you start to incorporate all foods, whether you do that immediately or over time. 
that is essential to coming overeating. I'm going to kind of reframe it, and I don't know if this is what they meant, but what if you're not restricting and you're still overeating? Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so my my first go-to would be that, like, getting a little bit more familiar about those hunger cues and just trying to build some awareness of whether this is a physical hunger that you're feeling or whether it's an emotional hunger that you're feeling as in is there you've learned that food is the sort of coping mechanism to meet all the needs of all those different types of hungers and maybe just starting to get a little bit curious about maybe this this need in me is not a physical hunger maybe it's a need for something else and I can find other ways to meet that need I was thinking I don't know whether I misunderstood the question but how like the how you can maybe kind of when you are serving the urge or preventing an overeating episode how you can help stop that feeling like restriction because sometimes sometimes that can come up for people and I would consider kind of can you frame it in in your mind as you're honoring your body like if it's if it might be full and okay you're honoring that fullness so it's not restriction or like I love the question am I still enjoying this I mean chances are you've not actually if you are in an overeating episode or a binge eating episode the enjoyment goes pretty quickly but we carry on that that behavior so okay I'm not still enjoying this I can have it another day because or another time later in that day perhaps because I have unconditional permission to eat so yeah I think if you can if you can have something in mind a phrase a question like honoring your body like nourishing your body like treating your body kindly in that moment can that help remove the feeling of restriction I love that and then I'll answer it in a different way again hopefully we've covered some sort of bases <laughs> in that often people will say that they're not restricting but there is still restriction there and whether that be through calorie restriction and you're still not eating enough but you're eating what you think you quote-unquote should what quote-unquote should be enough is a, a classic one again thanks to diet culture we somehow have these numbers in our head like 1200 calories is a diet number and 1800 calories is this and whatever 1200 calories is not a diet number please don't ever take that as advice um but in but in general we kind of have these numbers or like when I was that size I maintained on that many calories therefore that's how much I should be eating now and like we have these numbers in our head and so you might feel like well I'm, I'm eating enough because that's how much I needed before but that still might be restriction um but you can also have like dietary restriction even if you're not in a calorie even if you're not in a calorie restricted state so you might be like no I have all foods do you do you genuinely like do you really have all foods or do you have some foods but there are just some foods that you quote unquote don't like but do you really not like them um so I think with the restriction part usually there's an element still there and you know I was having this conversation with someone I work with the other day actually and she was like I can't remember what food she was talking about but she said, I just realized this was the first time I think, I think when she went out for dinner and she's like, I really, really, I really, really had what I wanted. And I hadn't realized, I thought I was doing that already. 
but then I did it then and I realized actually how different that was than a few weeks ago and we've been working together for a little while and I was saying this to her I was like it can take months and months and months if not years for you to then notice these little food rules that you still have and I think maybe last year uh, you might remember like I, was, I remember saying like I realized that only every bagels open so I would have a bagel and this is years after I'd like worked on my relationship with food and I've got a great relationship with food but I was like why do I always eat my bagels in two halves and I was like and I actually do prefer it because I got curious about it and I was like mm, is this because of that or whatever and I was like I think it must just be from dieting when I would always well for society I'm going to eat more slowly or I'm going to enjoy it more if there's two instead of one but sometimes sometimes you just want a mouthful <laughs> like <laughs> um, so yeah like I think sometimes these things can just come up like for a very long time yeah okay uh, Katie question um oh love this one uh, any evidence around cold water swimming may be interesting at least to me and this is somebody who regularly swims outdoors. Um, so I also love a cold water swim. Um, and I think I'm maybe going to answer this from a little bit of like a nervous system perspective, is that I think the most, of, like there is a little bit of emerging research around cold, cold water swimming. There are potential health benefits. There are also potential risks. Because um, basically what you're doing with swimming is you're putting your body into like a stress state. And like, it's important to know that like a stress state is not it's not a bad thing. It's, it's very good, it's very healthy for our nervous system to go up into that fight or flight, like get the cortisol, get the adrenaline. And that's what allows us to function. Like the, when, the problem with it is that so, people, so many people are stuck in that state. And that's what we notice with a lot of our clients at ETPHD. And that's why we um, share a lot of information about how to downregulate, how to rest, how to do yoga, meditation, journaling. But there's, a, there's nothing wrong with doing a little bit of getting yourself into the fight or flight as well. It's just coming into relationship about like what your needs are. So cold water swimming is a great way to just get that cortisol, that adrenaline like boosted and running. And some people really need that and really thrive off of that. But for other people, it might not be what they need. Um, it's it's anything that you're exposing your body to in a stress like that, especially like swimming in the cold in the winter. It's it's very much something if you're new to it, you have to start to expose yourself slowly, like you would do with any sort of stressor in your environment, even in like a research lab, when you're trying to build the resilience of uh, something, maybe it's like bacteria or something that you're growing, you would slowly expose it to all these different environments. So that's what I think a lot of, I think what the principle of cold water swimming is, is it's building your resilience. It's exposing you to a stress. It's letting your system know, I'm okay. I can deal with being exposed to this stress. Um, so there are, there are, there is a little bit of emerging research around like benefit, cardiovascular benefits and benefits for your, um, your immune system. But there's also research showing that there's risks. Like if somebody who's not used to that goes in, like it can have a negative impact on, on their physiology in some way. So, but I think if you understand the principle of like, it's about exposing your body to a stress and then and building your resilience, your ability to be with that stress. It's kind of what I think is the most interesting principle around cold water swimming.
yeah I don't have a huge amount to add on that really um I think that the stress response side of things is interesting right and I relate this to breath work a little bit and I wonder if anyone has had this experience where in the past and I'm speaking personally here in the past when I was chronically in that kind of hyper aroused state for most of my life I tried breath work it it made it felt like a panic attack for me which of course physiologically some of those things are similar right I hated it it didn't feel self-regulatory to me it made me feel worse when I was chronically in that and I'm intrigued Katie in terms of like what you do in this situation or like what your views are on this because more recently when I did my breathwork stuff and maybe some cold water stuff I it feels so much safer to then go into that stress response because chronically I'm not into that stress response and a breathwork teacher kind of spoke to me about this and he was like you know you're you're building up your tolerance to that stress response so that when feelings of in the past where anxiety might have kicked in for you you're more tolerant of that and you're more able to self-regulate in that moment because you've had this repeated exposure already which is what pulled me to keep leaning into that breath work which I found really uncomfortable and I know breath work is not the same as cold water immersion but it's that same sort of repeated exposure to the stress right um do you find that people who are chronically in that like hyper aroused fight or flight state like would you in your coaching would you go into this stuff straight away even if they're already kind of chronically up there is that helpful or would you focus much more on the down regulation and then bring in that stuff like that repeated exposure in whether it be cold water breath work etc and um, I, I guess it, it depends on the client, but I do find that most clients are stuck in a little bit more of a chronic fight or flight, like hyper aroused sort of state or that um, or they're in a little bit of a freeze response. And a freeze response is kind of when it's like you've been stuck in that fight or flight response for so long that there's also the kind of the pull down into the rest and digest. And you're kind of like stuck between the two, like you're not because what we want and I think even this is coming back to that first answer of like that the body fluctuates, like the nervous system fluctuates. That's where it's healthy and happy is just going flowing in and out of up and down. But we've got to learn first how to bring ourselves down, how to regulate. I think that's more important than exploring the up. But from for people who they, they come, they're really flat, they're really apathetic, they're really unmotivated and um, for those people doing these little practices that help to, to upregulate, to stimulate them um, can just be a really good way for them to start to notice what that feels like in the body. And I mean, there's such gentle practices to start with. Like I would say cold water swimming is quite a, quite an extreme practice. So it's starting with these gentle, like, you know, shaking the body and then just like standing in stillness and noticing like, do you feel the energy moving around the body or do you feel the heart rate increase? It's those getting people comfortable in that gentle upregulation because really you want to stay within a bit of a window of tolerance of a bit of a stress response and then back down into rest and digest. A bit of a stress response and then back down into rest and digest. And that's that's the state that we're aiming for. Mm. I don't know about you guys. Um, and I, you might have thoughts on this. Like I have found definitely that down. I addiction is not the right word, but I'm obsessed with down regulation I love down regulation I love now hatha yoga I love lavender baths anything that down regulates me I love and I 
I never had the desire to do any upregulation stuff anymore, ever. And I don't know if it's because I'm lazy or if it's because I, that because I've got upregulation because maybe I've like a, I have pressure in my job and training and stuff like that 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 brings me up as a, enough that I don't feel that I need any additional practice. But sometimes I'm like, what if I should be doing more of the upregulation? Because if I always have a choice, I'm always like, nope, I want to soothe, I want to slow, I want to rest. Um, I don't know, like if if that's normal. I don't, I don't know, Anna. I know you have personal experiences with that stuff. Um, I, I, I'm very similar to you in that I fully embrace don't, don't like having spent all of my life completely avoiding it. I am now so so here for it, but I know. And I don't necessarily, like, it is upregulating, I guess, in the sense that I'll use, like, I've got citrus scents for a diffuser when I'm working because I find that that kind of not energises me, but it's more so for, like, focus. Or if I feel, like, a bit of a slump, like, this morning, I was like, I'm not going to be focused for work. I need to go out and do something and get some fresh air. But I don't... I don't ever think of it as self-regulating, mm-hmm. um, although it is like essentially it is. But yeah. Okay. And I wonder, Amelia, have you just spent so long in that like chronic fight or flight state that like your your body's a little bit like I know what that's like. You know, I'm good. <laughs> I'm like, give me the down regulation. I <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, like complete avoidance. Healthy. And <laughs> <laughs> um, okay um Anna go for it um fuel for a better libido and for reference this client is healthy weight healthy body regular cycle I'm going to say this isn't a nutrition question and I would say when you're looking at fuel is this a uh, is this person a woman or to identify as a woman yeah yeah um I'm going to say it's less about probably nutrition I would look at your polyunsaturated fat intake but there's no evidence here that's like eating polyunsaturated fat helps your sex drive okay i would look at that i normally say everyone should look at that because most people don't eat enough polyunsaturated fat um i would look at your connection your joy your body image there's a great book called mind the gap that talks a lot about the female libido the also the other one that i also liked was come as you are but I kind of stopped halfway through that because I'd read Mind the Gap there's slightly different approaches but they're both great books um I think that the key and I don't know if this person's in a relationship or not but I think the key for female um libido is how connected on the whole I'm being I'm not saying all women and all men right but it's how connected you feel to your partner to be quite honest um from everyone that I've worked with that I've had this conversation with from personal experience from books that I've read that is the overarching thing on top of that like so things like you know do you have moments of connection outside of sex like do you lie cuddle have human contact kiss without it having to go anywhere um I've read a lot around like almost taking sex out of the equation and focusing on intimacy outside of sex and how that can then impact your sex life, but not thinking about it in terms of impacting your sex life, just not thinking about sex at all and just saying, okay, we're going to focus on building intimacy outside of that for now. 
Um, so you could try something like that. But like how well you feel that you're being heard, are you having honest conversations? Um, also, are you being pressured because of a low sex drive? The more partner pressures you to have sex, the less likely you are to want to have sex. And then the more they're likely to pressure you again, and then the cycle continues. So is there anything there? Body image, of course, is really important. But then I also think for a lot of women, there's just we're just exhausted. Like we're exhausted. Um, we are working all the time. Maybe you're maybe in your relationship, you're doing more around the house. Like you, maybe you have a lot of emotional labor. Maybe you're, you know, quote unquote fixer. You you serve other people, you give to other people, but you're not having a lot of time where you fill up your own cup, you're not sleeping enough. You just have a high stress level. Nobody wants to have sex at 10 o'clock at night when they've had a full day of work and then they've come home and then they've cooked dinner and then they've had a wee bit of pressure about sex. Anyone who wants to have sex, like fair play, because I cannot imagine that. Um, so I think looking at all those types of things is probably going to be more helpful to you. Definitely nothing in your nutrition if you're eating healthfully, regular cycle, eating enough, um, not exhausted, not overtraining things like that i was just gonna add on to what you were saying around intimacy take sex out of the equation and like emotional intimacy physical intimacy and when i say physical like hugging holding hands massage things like that but then there's also um like sharing interest and doing stuff together and bringing you closer in that element like you say of 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 connection but I think a biggie is also stress management <laughs> like like you were saying if you've had a long day at work like and everything else and you're trying to do everything and be all for everybody like are you looking after yourself first and foremost because otherwise like sex drive like a stick I don't know <laughs> love it yeah and I the only thing that I would add is um because I'm not sure if the the person who asked that question is is in a relationship or isn't in a relationship and if you're not in a relationship like you can still bring in all those principles of intimacy of sensuality uh, you just like, you just got to do it for yourself you know on yourself for yourself with yourself but like it's still just as valid like you still have those needs and you can still meet those needs um, and it can be, it doesn't always have to be, like you say, sexual. It can be like bringing your sensuality can be like in a nice body lotion and like massage, massaging that in or just like really feeling the, like the scent of a candle or something like that. It's just invoking the senses. Yeah, so here, here also, I've got a question. So on the podcast I did with Ailey, can't remember the number it was, but Ailey Jolie's podcast was great. And um we were speaking about like sexual dynamics and stuff and how a lot of the time <laughs> women who are like raging feminists or super successful or and I, I, I'm really mindful of using the term masculine and feminine energies right but you know what I mean when I say this right women who tend to lean more into the masculine in their day-to-day -day life often when it comes to sex feel this need to lean more into the feminine and the soft side of things right as a way to almost balance out these energies and we were talking about it because it's like that definitely used to be more me but it's far less me now because I've got a lot more 
feminine softness, rest, soothing in my day-to-day life, that 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 imbalance is less there, right? And I and I wonder, again, this isn't everyone, but I wonder in your day-to-day life, do you feel that maybe you are leaning so much into that side of yourself that you're not maybe creating a lot of space for that softness, for that quote-unquote feminine um soothing side of yourself and I, I question if that has any impact on your how you feel then when it comes to sex if you're in a heteronormative relationship again I don't know how that then impacts your dynamic when it comes to actually wanting to have sex and or the way that you have sex and we're not going to go into that but like I definitely think I definitely think that might have some impact for some people also a couple of other things I was just thinking when we were chatting there is there is an element of, and now this is this is not me telling you to have sex when you don't want to have sex. This is 100% not what I'm saying. But for women, there is some evidence around sometimes like just almost like getting in the mood happens when you're already starting with the act of it. And we're less like men, we're like, we're reactive when it comes to our sex drive, whereas men are more spontaneous. And that's just a physiological difference. And so look at like, to some degree, it might be that you need things to react to in order for your sex drive to, or your want to have sex in that moment to increase. And that might be something sensual and kind and joy. It might be those things, but it might actually be the act of almost like the beginning, the, the intimacy part, your libido or in that moment can increase. And the final thing I wanted to say was benefit of working from home is daytime sex. When you have more energy, when you've got a break in your work, when like you can... It's, it's much more like fun and free and then you can still go to bed at 9 30 you know so be think about like <laughs> mixing it up a little bit not speaking from personal experience at all <laughs> <laughs> okay is it me mm-hmm. okay oh um, i'm gonna let you do that question kate because it's your client um okay what are some ways you're able to change your mindset from quote-unquote work to quote unquote home. Does this mean like, as in getting out of headspace of work and getting into the headspace of? I think so. I quite like an end of day. I think. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what I was gonna say. <laughs> go for it, Katie. You can expand. <laughs> Like, I think um, there's some, there is definitely value in having this, like, really clear, like, the workday has ended. And I, I am aware of, like, that uh, this is not possible every day. And even even there's a bit of hypocrisy in me saying this right now, because, like, even for myself, I know I haven't been doing this this week. So I feel a little bit like calling myself out right now. But there's that like whatever it is like a little context shift a little practice especially for people who work from home and um, like maybe it's just like going for a walk I know people do that in the morning like some people who work from home in the morning they'll like after they have their breakfast before they start the work day they'll um go for a little walk around the block or they will even like little changes like oh I'm drink I drank my breakfast coffee with my breakfast mug and now I'm drinking my work coffee from my work coffee mug and it's the same principle at the end of the day like how can you maybe it's changing your clothes maybe it's going for a walk maybe it's changing environment but I think like some introducing some form of a context shift um 
can help with that. I don't think I have a huge amount to add. I think for, for me, there's a couple of key things like I won't check my phone after a certain time because that's a key source of work for me. I won't scroll on Instagram after a certain time because it's a key source of work for me. Maybe it's your emails. Maybe it's being even on your computer. Like, I think like I'm really intentional with not even opening my laptop to watch something on TV in my bed. I, um, like I got an iPad a while ago just to have my yoga app and TV and stuff on an iPad rather than a computer because I don't want to be thinking about work subconsciously whilst I'm watching my yoga video doing my yoga in the morning like little links that my brain has to work I want to try and remove as many of those links as I can when it comes to being off and that it might look like changing my clothes um yeah so I think look at what links you have to work whatever that may be and try and break those links when you're outside of work and you're trying to get into that home headspace okay okay um, okay, so this is one from, this is a, a first check-in from a, a new client, one of my clients, saying that I know our bodies don't work on a 24-hour or even seven-day cycle, but when I hear messages that suggest one or two poor food choices will wipe out a week's deficit, this makes me worry about food choices and constantly think that I've wrecked everything. Any suggestions on how to tackle this? So I, I think there's there's two things here. <laughs> Firstly, like it's it, does make me a little bit angry to be like oh those messaging like that like that's not fair that you're receiving that messaging that like one or two food choices will wipe out a week's deficit because that's not true and all that does is that it feeds the all or nothing mindset and so I would say that this this question really the way to sort of tackle this is to tackle your all or nothing mindset and and one one really good way that we do this and that, that we've been working together on this is embracing more of that imperfect action or like setting goals that are like small like so painfully some people who are all or nothing like a tiny tiny small really realistic like do one minute of this thing they're like that's so pathetically easy and you're like yeah that's the point because that's actually quite challenging for someone who's like no I want to do like an hour-long workout five days a week and so working in the like the power of the small is one way to change the all or nothing mindset and then um the power of imperfect action which like any sort of uh, all or nothing mindset person might also be a little bit of a when they're in the all mindset they're a bit of a perfectionist and so there's like we've been doing little things like can you and maybe it's related to food but any area of life can you just like you know how does it feel to complete a workout like get 90 percent of the way there or you know if you're running a 5k like why don't you stop at 4.8? Like, how does that feel? It's going to, the perfectionist in you is going to kit, it's going to die because you just want to hit that 5K. But just working, like flexing that muscle of like imperfect action is better than no action. Mm. I like that. The power of the small, the power of imperfect action. Um, Instagram post coming soon on overcoming all or nothing mentality. <laughs> um. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think a lot of this also is about recognizing bad nutrition information, which is really hard to do. I imagine a personal trainer said that when they're talking about fat loss and they don't have ed nutrition education. That's what I where I imagine that's maybe come from. Um, you may or may not remember where it's come from. But I think another way to tackle this is to start getting very critical about the information you see. One thing we pride ourselves on at E2PhD is that we want everyone who works with us to finish educated on nutrition to understand the principles of a healthy diet 
to like and that looks at macros you know fat intakes etc to understand that but to also develop a scientifically critical mind of the stuff that does come up which is why we encourage you to ask questions like this which is amazing where you begin to be really critical and I don't mean negative I just mean critical of some of the messaging that you see and think okay logically does that make sense if I mindfully ate a pizza so I probably ate three quarters of it if I was like you know moderately hungry if that was I don't know I, I don't I don't know I'm not going to go into calories of pizza right but realistically scientifically is that sufficient to take me into a calorie surplus for the full week no it's not also trust like learn to trust your body and it's great that you're working with Katie on this is that as you begin to trust your body you know that if you have a day of a really high calorie intake relatively speaking the next day or two your neat levels are going to go up your the thermogenic effect of food that increases because you're eating more that's like the energy cross cost of digesting that food right and assimilating those nutrients that's going to go up your neat level is going to go up you're going to fidget a little bit more you might have a bit more energy your training intensity might be a little bit higher and vice versa like um if you're not eating enough or you're eating a lot less you'll find that these things kind of start to reduce you're less likely to go out for that walk at night time because you're probably a little bit like less energy your hunger levels eventually will come down because your energy output is going down and over time you're going to do you're going to do this work so that you're you trust your body to be in this natural state of flux again so diet culture under the bus has convinced us that we can't trust our bodies to do that and so a large amount of work that we all do at ETPHD is helping you then redevelop that trust and understanding that your body is doing that whether it be over a 24 hour period, which is not a couple of days, couple of weeks, couple of months, your entire life, that's what your body's doing. And it's an incredible way of adapting to slightly higher food, slightly less food. And it's an amazing thing, but we just have to develop that trust. Okay, we're going to leave it there. Thank you all for your questions. Thank you both so much. Bye. 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 Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And as always, if you did, please do feel free to like, share, subscribe and review. And if you would like to chat to me, then you can find details of my Instagram in the show notes.